showing up at my door. And uh, I appreciate that from the depth of my heart. I don't know how you got to me other than by boat because everything was flooded. <clears throat> but you came, you made a difference, and uh, we were able to spare a lot uh, that we would have probably lost. Uh, but because the men and and the ladies, they helped. And not not pulling baseboards, but they, they know how to fix a good little room. And they were a blessing to me and my family. And I thank all of you. <clears throat> James chapter 2, I stopped last time. I just touched verse 14. And I'm going to try to go through these rather quickly if I can. I try to. I really, really sincerely mean that. Uh, this is some meaty stuff. I, I want to dig it, but we, we can always come back to it and dig it a little deeper. Uh, there's just some other stuff I feel pressed to, to, to try to get to in some later verses. Uh, so again, I want you to stay with me. You know, here's the thing. Preaching is inspiration, but teaching is rooted and grounded. And, uh, and this is one of those lessons tonight that, that's going to root us and ground us. You've heard it before. There's nothing new under the sun. Uh, but feel like if, if and even young people, uh, this isn't so far beyond our grasp. We have dumbed down the Word of God for years. I'm going to say that again. We've dumbed down the Word of God to circumvent the distractions and the carnality. Y'all with me? Come on, y'all preach with me tonight. We've dumbed it down. We've tried to make it simple. We've tried, and I bar that. Make it tangible. Yes. There are just some parts of the Word of God that is just good old-fashioned Bible teaching doctrine that's going to keep us in the church. Some of you can remember the teachings of Brother and Sister Park, and, and I know Brother Ewan, and he's, I've heard, and uh, Brother Ewan, he, I tell you, he took 10 years, I think he got to Matthew, what, 16, 17, 10 years, so y'all, there's hope. <laughs> we, we in Matthew, we in James 2, fortunate there's only five. I want to touch this here tonight. In verse 14, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? Brother Ron, have that and keep that there for me just, just for a moment. And then I'm going to, uh, I want to touch the, the, the last, last one we talked about. Uh, 13, we closed out the these, this chapter is broken sections. Verse 1 is, is the theme and the point to it all. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the first verse. He sets the tempo for chapter 2 with this one statement about the faith of Jesus Christ. So before this thing ever even starts, he starts with the target, the faith of Christ. Now, for us, that's difficult because we understand his deity, and I'm sure it was even for them, understanding deity, humanity. But we, we again, we, we minimize his humanity. He struggled in every part of his humanity as you and I. I believe in my personal, this is just my personal uh, belief, is that there are things that even in the word of God were not voiced, uh, not because it wasn't important. Maybe if they felt it wasn't, I don't know. But I believe that there are things that even Christ battled with in his humanity. 
that is not even recorded in the word of God. He was human in every point and was tempted in all points, but yet knew not sin. So if he's tempted in all points, then that means every point that you and I face, he was tempted in the same thing. That's why you and I can never get to judgment and say, God, you do not know what I'm going through. He has been through everything that you and I have been through because he was the elder brother. He was the example for you and I to follow. And James is trying to set the target very clear about the faith of Jesus Christ. That this is what we're to strive for every day, all of our existence. That we have the faith of Jesus Christ. That we can, when the temptations come and the battles come, that you and I can stand in the midst of the adverse and the opponent and be able to declare that God is going to bring me through regardless of what I feel. We're, we're too feely oriented. We need to be more faith oriented. Folks, that's how the church was born. That's how the church is going to finish. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. It started with somebody saying, I'm going to step out with no guarantee." And many of us stepped out with no guarantee. A man's called to a city with no guarantee. A family takes this truth and abides by it and lives by it with no guarantee. How many under the sound of my voice tonight, you are believing God for great promises and miracles and you ain't got no guarantee? Is there anybody? Yeah. You know what you just did? You just exercised faith. When you ain't got a guarantee, you're starting to walk in the faith of Jesus Christ. Somebody needs to be encouraged right now. You've got what you need to step into what God has. Don't let the enemy stop your prayer now and cause you or convince you to back up and slow down. We're in the greatest hour now. It ain't coming, it's here. It's here now. No way you could get me to delay or put off something that I know by faith that God's going to bring me to or through. He said he'll never put more on me, but with every what? I'll make a you know what we do? We make our own escape instead of waiting on his escape. He said, I'll make a way of escape. I'll, he ain't saying that I'm going to take you out and you're not going to have to do it again. But I'm going to make a way. I'm going to build something that's going to incubate you through whatever you're going through. God has a way of putting a bubble over you and I that, 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 that the enemy may bombard your mind day in and day out. But if you take the faith that you got in the Holy Ghost. Come on, what's the Holy Ghost? The Holy Ghost is Jesus. Do I have any Trinitarians in the house? That's the only time you could have been silent. Jesus is the Holy Ghost. When you get the Holy Ghost, you got Jesus. So if you get Jesus, what did you get? I got his faith. So I can look at things that look like it's about to take me out and say it's about time to roll up the sleeves and exercise the operation of faith. You don't just... You can't meditate faith. You got to operate in faith. Every time you raise your hands, that's faith. Every time you worship, that's faith. Every time you're faithful to the house of God, that's faith. Every time.
time you give it your tithe, that's faith. Every time you do what God's telling you to do, that's faith. That's the faith of Christ. I might just preach. God is moving us from a spectator mindset, Brother Larry, to doing something with what he gave us. I got the Holy Ghost. There's some I want to say, so what? Because you ain't done nothing with it. You got it. What we did with it. God has given us something that's so powerful. We have stopped at one level of Holy Ghost. I got it. So now what? Here's what the what is. Take what you got. Take that faith and begin to put that thing in action. What are you talking about, Benoit? Here's what I'm talking about. Pray with every bit of fiber in your belly and say, God, I'm not stopping until I see your glory. I'm not stopping until I see that drug addict. I'm not stopping until I see that backslider. I'm not stopping until this building's filled to capacity. I'm not stopping until the Holy Ghost showers down with such a blessing on my family. tongues of fire can't abide on somebody's head I wish I'd have got five more amens right there thank you I'm married to you but yeah COVID tongue. well no that just happened on the epitome no 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 that can happen right now that can happen right here I got the faith come on somebody I'm reaching for your faith right now I'm reaching for your family in the spirit say this real plain we got persecution coming to the church again we ain't seen nothing yet what's coming and we can get fretful and bite our nails off and lose a little bit of hair we got and take ulcer pills and everything else to try Xana and try to just calm us all down but you hear me the greatest thing you and I could ever do is take the faith that you got inside of you which is the faith of Christ and say you know what let them come they can come and do whatever they want I'm going to keep singing praises I'm going to keep singing worship God didn't fail me 30 years ago God didn't fail me 10 years ago God didn't fail me on Monday when my house flooded God is still good and God God is still faithful and God is still going to give us a great revival regardless of what happens.
says, he starts it. I wrote it down how they, they broke it down or broke the sections down or the different sections. The first ones was dealing with the faith of Christ and his faith. And then it demonstrates how faith is inconsistent showing favoritism. You see, the underlying thing is faith. And he says, my faith is inconsistent. Do you see how our faith is so easily subverted? Glad you're back on. Glad you're back on. Our faith is so easily subverted. James starts with the target. Faith. And then watch what he does. He goes through verses 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 and starts talking about partiality. And I thought in my mind, God, what's that got to do with the price of tea in China? I mean, really, partiality, we are all pretty good people. We don't show, you know, I'm, I'm thinking that's kind of boring. In the word of God, I mean, y'all don't say that, I do. But here's what he was doing, Sister Agnes, and it hit me today. He was doing this. Faith is what started it, but he was showing the things that rob us of the power of faith. Got somebody hear me in the Holy Ghost tonight. He was showing us what steals, Brother Butch, my faith. I got it when I got the Holy Ghost. And this is where many of I get the Holy Ghost, I talk in tongues, I'm living for God, I'm faithful. I got all that down. But if I never release what I got from the first day and I just go through the motion. James was trying to prepare that early church for some things that was going to cause their faith to become inconsistent. I don't know about you, but I've seen it over and over. I've said, I've said it myself. God, I got the Holy Ghost. I live right. I live godly. I live holy. I do everything I know to do. God, what else is there? And he left me with this. Distractions. Distractions. Like right now, if we took a survey, where's your mind right now? 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 She's picking meat out of her teeth. See where her mind's at? She's eating. And I didn't get no gumbo last time either. See what I'm thinking? The mind. Yeah, I did. I sure did last night. Oops. You got passed. Now I'm going to do a competition between that one and this one. Let me taste yours again to make sure it's all right. You see, it's it's... Distractions that try to pull my faith. When if, here's what I firmly believe, Brother Bushnell, here in the end time. Where sin doth abound, grace is going to come even abound more. And here's the kicker. Why? Because there is a faith in the people of God that we're facing impending things that the only thing going to get us through is our faith locking on to grace and saying, God, you ain't never let me down. You have never failed me. God, just because my kids are lost, that ain't going to make me stop one iota. Faith says they're walking in that back door on Sunday. Faith says they're walking in that back door next Wednesday. Faith says with grace, God's able to do it exceedingly, abundantly above all that I could think or ask. And in the end, it's the distractions pulling from my faith when the enemy knows you got everything you need in the Holy Ghost. You got the faith of Christ. 
James is saying. That's what he's dealing with. Partiality. Favoritism. Watch. He then says, that's the first few, 12, 13, and then about 12 and 13, faith produces mercy. So he flips. He goes faith, partiality, but then the right faith in the right direction. Remember I read, don't judge. By not judging, mercy and faith can do its work in the church. Mercy is not broke. Y'all with me? Mercy is not broke. It still can heal whatever mind and emotion that somebody's been through. I tell you where I've started in these last days. I'm looking for the worst. I'm looking for that one because here's what the Lord's been dealing with me about. I've been sitting with people not in this church just from all over asking for, hey, what do I do about this? And here's what I've seen, Brother Smith. I can't fix them. I ain't even got an answer to tell them. I sit there dumbfounded trying to do it. And I left some of those meetings and here's what I begin to tell God. God, if that's the worst that the enemy can bring, there's a great revival that you're going to do for those right there. Because they don't even have a God consciousness. They can't even see right from wrong. They don't know what prayer is. They don't know what the blood is. They don't know what the name of Jesus They think the church is like Walmart. You go in there, pick up a little alcohol. That's what you get at the church. You move in and move out. And God's fixing to show us as a people there's an abounding grace and mercy that's going to come to my people. And the faith of God's people is what's going to activate the mercy that's going to heal their mind. Mercy still heals. No matter how far their mind's gone, their emotions are shot, strung out, burnt nerve endings. Look, folks, if God has healed children of autism, now, if I read the medical journals right on that, was the endings of the nerves are cut off. If God can heal a child with no nerve endings, you think God can't heal a meth head that his brain's fried? You think God can't move in on somebody that's been hooked on crack and they got the shakes and they don't, they're not, God can heal. Why? Because the faith of the church is going to rise to the occasion and mercy is going to flow out and begin to heal. James was preparing them for what was coming down the road. He says, Mercy. And now he gets to 14 and 26. He says, what? He's changing now. You got to see this or you're going to miss the next four verses and you're going to be bored like I was the first time I read it until God gave me the revelation. Works without, faith without works are dead. Duh. We heard that. But now looking at the contextual background, do you see now where James is closing his chapter? Faith in Christ, partiality, distractions. Don't be distractions with the cares of the world. Mercy's going to come in. And then he closes it out and says, the only thing that's going to make the faith of Christ work is you got to work. 
Somebody help me. We have birthed in this generation an apostolic Acts 2.38 drunk people. Good but bad. I got the doctrine but I don't do nothing with it. I'm going to show you something here in a little bit. When I read it, it stung. I got it. I can quote the scriptures on the oneness. Here's how James says it. Genuine faith is a reality on which one stakes his life. You can tell somebody that lives for God with all their life by the way they conduct themselves. I'm not just talking about they don't smoke Marlboro and drink wine coolers. I'm talking about how they conduct themselves in church, out of church, family, all of these things. He said, it's not, you stake your own life. It's not merely a passive assent to doctrine. This is what I've said for years, and I get blasted for it, but I'm right. They have had truth, and some have it, but they're going to miss it in the end. I know this is what i got to do, but they never cultivated the truth by works. Brother, you and preached a message years ago, nurturing the God conscience. And here's what he was saying, Sister Becky. Once you get the Holy Ghost, that's just the beginning. I got to nurture that thing. How do I nurture it? I nurture it by, by, I'm going to use words. I nurture it by taking my faith and putting it in action. I pray. I fast. I read the word of God. But that's just kind of mechanical. No, it's not if I do it like the original scripture says. Love the Lord thy God. With all your heart I don't do it because I have to I do it because I get to I don't pray because it's on a clock I don't watch a clock when I go into prayer I don't put myself on a stop bar and say I did my hour, I'm done I did my 15 minutes, I'm done I put my phone in the other room And I pray until I have an encounter with God Because I get to do it Not because I gotta do it A generation coming up if there's anything I've ever taught you you don't do it because you got to we do it because we get to and then if the Lord slips in a little Disney world then that's all I do that was my traveling buddy when my wife took her she get in there me and her flew to California to go preach a revival and one of the things is once we got all done the pastor said you know what you got your girl with you I got free tickets to Disneyland. Won't you take her? And me and you spent the whole day in Disneyland. No dealer. You stupid boy. I get to do it. That's the privilege. See, but what are you doing by doing that? You're releasing faith. Faith is perspective. Faith is perspective that births the proper outcome. Faith is a way of looking at how God sees things and realize I've got to actively pursue this. Here's another one. Vine's Expository Dictionary 
says, of the New Testament word says, the main element of faith, faith is a Greek word, pisces. In its relation to God, it says this, faith is a firm conviction. I got convictions about being faithful to the house of God. We all got that. But do we have convictions about a fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man availing? Do we have convictions to pray with an earnest honesty before God? Do I have a conviction that believes that except a man repents of his sins, he can no wise enter into the kingdom? Do I have a conviction that that's the truth? That's faith saying that. Faith says it's a personal surrender. What's that mean, Brother Darrell? That means I praise God when I don't feel like it. Faith without works is dead. Remember, if I say I have faith and I don't praise Him, I'm dead. Faith is a conduct inspired by the surrender. I love that. Because if I get conviction, not just dress code, but, but I got conviction in the things of the word of God and I preach it with passion and I live it with passion and you live it with passion, then what's going to happen? There's a surrender. And from that surrender comes action. You see, the pro- when I saw this, it was so simple. It's like this. Brother Roger, I need you to stay here all night long and I need you to cover this house in prayer from 12 o'clock to 6 o'clock. You've got to be kidding me. How dare you? You arrogant preacher. You don't even get a job. You eat chicken and sleep all day. And you're going to ask a man that has a job to pray all night while you go sleep? Faith says this. I surrender, God. If the man of God's asking that of me, I surrender. Now I can come back to Corinthians again, the whole Corinthians deal. The government of God, he says, for the head of man is Christ, and the head of Christ is God. God is divinity, Christ is humanity. What's it saying? The head of man is the government of God, fivefold ministry, apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist, teacher. That's the government of God. And if I submit to the government of God, I'm in my proper order in God's kingdom. So the faith that I have now will not only flow this way from him in me, it will flow out of me to what I need it to do. says I surrender no matter what and my action now to show my surrender I'm going to proceed with what the word of God says for me to do regardless of how good I feel or how uncomfortable it is for me you show me an individual that's that surrendered I will show you the blessing of God and preach it all over this country how the favor and the blessing of God is poured out on an individual that's in complete surrender say, well, man, what if you act like Jimmy Swagger? What if you act like Robert Tilton? What if you act like Benny Hinn and all these crazy people? What if you start doing all that? You know what? God's got a way of dealing with his man. Does he not? He's got a way. If we trust the process, trust the faith that's in us, then everything is going to come together with a power that we've been asking God for. We're asking
asking God for the power without the functionality and the doing and dealing. Now, I had you shouting a minute ago, but now I'm not. Where'd my shouters go? See, because this is the part we don't like that flesh part. I want to be comfortable right here. And I want to be dead right here. And God's saying faith without works is the true death. Oh, he gets even greater in it when he begins. This is what caused me, Brother Clifton. I, I shook and I began to weep because I said, God, what have you asked me to portray that I have not in works? I can preach it, but not live it. Not in sin, but in function, in, 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 in proper order. Watch what he says. What doth it profit? The word profit means advantage or use. Translation says this. For it is of no value for you to have faith without works. He says, what value is it for you not to have faith without works? This scared me to death, Sister Agnes, because here's what I realized. I can become a, a traditional Christian or a, just an individual. And not benefit from what God has for me. I miss all the, the blessings that are there. And then life gets hard. And God tries to challenge me to step it up. And then I don't because I'm just tired. Am I preaching to anybody tonight other than myself? And I'm missing blessings and favor and preparation for what's coming down the road. He says, my fellow Christians, it will be of no value for someone to claim something. If you claim this without works, you will get nothing. Faith without works is dead. What profit? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be warmed and be filled. And notwithstanding, ye give them not those things which are needful to the body. What doth it profit? Here's what he just said. He said, What good is it for somebody to have the need and I don't do anything about it? There's a need, you do it, you take care of it. But now here's the flip side of that. God, metaphorically, has no needs. Right? But then how do we explain Solomon chapter 5? When the Bible says, talking about the bride and the bridegroom, or the bride and, and she's waiting on her husband, and she is, uh, in Solomon chapter 5, I don't know where it's at, but around 5, somewhere's talking about, he come, she's getting ready for bed. And she lays down and goes to sleep, speaks of the church. And here this bridegroom comes to the door and he knocks. I wish you could find it for me. Google it, somebody, or concord it for me. And he says, he's knocking, and she says this, it's too late. I don't feel like getting up, getting out of bed. And finally, she mustered up 
enough something that she got up. And when she did, when she did, there was nothing left but the residue of what was at the door, his smell. came into my garden, my sister, my spouse, I've gathered my myrrh, my spice, I've eaten my honeycomb with honey, I've drunk wine milk. I sleep, but my heart waketh. It's the voice of my beloved that knocketh. Open to me, my sister. He's saying, open to me, my love, my dove, my undefiled. For my head is filled with dew and my locks with the drop of the night. It's nighttime. We're in the end time right now. It's evening time. And, the, and God is out there, not, he's knocking right now to the church. And he's saying, let me come in and watch. I put off my coat, she said. How should I put it back on? I've washed my feet. How shall I defile them? In other words, I'm comfortable in bed. Don't wake me up. We're in hours now. I've seen it all. We're comfortable with where we are. And God's knocking, saying, I'm wanting to give you one more outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And in that outpouring is your backslidden sons and daughters. And I'm knocking at the door. And we're saying, I'm comfortable in the bed. Brother, I'm comfortable. I done got undressed. Don't wake me up. Leave me alone. That's what that spirit keeps telling me here. Leave me alone. My beloved put his hand in the hole of the door in my mouth. I moved. In other words, here's what she's saying. I wanted to get up, but I was too tired and I didn't want to do the work. Come on, somebody. I didn't want to do the work. And what are we finding now that are coming into the house of God? Our, our repentances are real sharp. Does anybody notice that other than me? People come in, they don't want to fall in true repentance. This is the hour we live in. So what's the position for you and I as the church? I've got to take the faith that I've got in Christ and say, God, we're going to pray and seek you until everything comes down that's holding my family, my son, my community, my state. The old spirit of unbelief just walked in. Every time I get heavy, it never fails. If I preach Lash Patat and love everybody and kiss your neighbor, it'd be all right. But I get heavy and deep and start digging and stuff, it don't want me to dig. Because it knows when you dig, something's going to be revealed. And we don't want that to be revealed in the community or this revealed there. God is bringing us a great harvest. And they're knocking at the door and they got their hand in the Lord's hand. Because you're not bringing them. Scott Bidwell's not bringing them. The personality of the preacher ain't bringing them. God's got that backslider on that bar stool. And God's going to bring them to the house of God. Because you've been faithful and you've exercised faith when you didn't feel like doing it. She said, I moved, but I don't want to work. I got faith that God can. And that's where we are, Elder. I look in the eyes of people, the eyes of the wind of the soul. You can see it. I'm tired. I'm weary. And God said, Come on, one more time. Put your clothes on. One more time. Put your prayer warrior garment on. Come on, put, put one more time. 
Where's old sister Viola? One more time, put it back on again. One more time, put Elder Bushnell, put that back on again. One more time, put that back on again. And if you'll pray it another time, I'm telling you, we're on the brink of something that's catamalistic. That when you and I enter the building, lift your hands with everything you got. Because there's signs, wonders, and miracles that God's ready to give his people.
where I say lakat, and you jump. That's great. But you know what? I want you to I feel that. When you feel it, let that faith in you rise up and say, yes, preacher. Yes, I believe that. Yes, I want to see that. Yes, I want to do that. Yes, I want that to happen. I really believe God's setting us up. Every man's got a different anointing. I talked to the Bible study here tonight. This is one of the things I brought up. I said there are men with different anointings. We all got faith, the faith of Christ. But every man's got a different anointing, pulpit ministry, anointings. And I really believe that God is wanting to bring men of great anointings from this pulpit. Why? Because I can't break this by myself. Elder couldn't break it by himself. But we're going to yoke up with the fivefold ministry. And God's going to bring us men. Not men I just pull from a calendar. Not just men that had to, I want Holy Ghost led men that are going to step to a pulpit. And when they preach, your sons and daughters, my friends, this community that we are believing God for a revival for, when they begin to speak, something's going to begin to happen. But when they speak, you've got to speak with them. And I've got to speak with them. And together our faith is going to create an avalanche of Holy Ghost outpouring. God's setting us up. He's trying to show us. And all we've got to do say, you know what, God, don't matter what it costs me. What's faith? Can anybody read back to me the definition? Conviction, surrender, and an action that produces or emulates, exemplifies that surrender. We're about to see. Not about. We are seeing. We are seeing. If you only knew the calls I'm getting, people, I said it's like dreams they're having, Brother Darrell, they're calling me. I had this dream, I had that dream. People you wouldn't even think, calls outside of this church, people are calling. Things are shaking like they have never been shaken before. And God is setting you and I up for one of the greatest outpourings before we go home. You're right, Brother Daryl. I hear the same song. You better get everything ready that you need to get ready in your house. You better get everything ready that you need to get ready in your family. You better get everything ready in your kids. It's time for us to quit being passive in our reaching our community. And let's aggressively reach it in the spirit and say, God, come life or death. I've got to see them walk in that back door. If you believe that, stand with me tonight and shout with faith. There's a shift coming in the spirit, coming to that church, that if they're ready for it, it's going to be like a waterfall. There won't no man be able to dam it. No man will be able to stop it or block it. It's going to flow like a river for you and for me and for our community. And we're going to see what the enemy, hey, folks, listen to me. The enemy has mocked us as apostolics. 
He has mocked us as Pentecostals. He has mocked us long enough saying, I'll take out another man of God. I'll take out another family. I'll take out another kid. I don't know about you, but I'm about tired of the mocking and the ridicule. I've got the faith of Christ in me. It's time for you and I to rear your shoulder back and get grit in your gut say, by the authority of the name of Jesus, I'm taking my community. I'm taking my family. see a great outpouring of the spirit this is not about you and me it's about the souls of humanity and them being lost and going to hell but you and I as a church is going to exercise the faith of Christ and declare this is my hour he knocked at her door and she missed it it's timing it's timing